Hi, this is Dave Coulier, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Okay, let's rewind. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Adam Hunter. And then when Mixed Martial Arts came, I, you know, I was always a boxing fan, but when I saw that wrestlers were dominating and all these great college wrestlers were coming over and using their wrestling in Mixed Martial Arts, I really was like, wow, wow, that's really cool that there's an afterlife for college wrestling. Haven't spoken to Adam in a while, but he's still being confused with an Australian soap actor and a wrestler of the same name. He's a big wrestling fan, Adam is, though, but uh, we'll get to the bottom of all of that in just a bit. I was going to play a dumb bit from a couple of years ago that is relevant in these very times, but I'm going to save it because I think it'll be even more relevant in two weeks. Uh, I'll explain then. In the meantime, I did find this other dumb bit in my search, and this one's more generic, and it uh, is just fun. I like this one. I forgot about it. So here you go. I was watching one of those science shows on PBS, as I want to do. This one's called First Peoples, and it came out in the summer, and I meant to record it, and I forgot all about it. Happened to stumble on it again uh, about a month ago, and it covers the uh, Homo sapiens uh, coming into Asia and Europe and all the uh, populated continents, I guess, ever except Antarctica. And it's fascinating. If you can catch it, try to. You used to be able to catch everything on the PBS.com website. Now you can't, so you have to like check your local stations and maybe it or DVR it. Anyway... The one about Europe, of course, involves uh, Neanderthals. And I guess modern humans, in a nutshell here, modern humans, of course, came into uh, Europe. Neanderthals were already there. And they thought that maybe that Neanderthals were just too dumb to survive. And they later figured out, well, no, what happened was that there were just so many humans coming in that we overwhelmed them. Uh, They ended up interbreeding a little bit, but that's eventually what wiped Neanderthals out. And the other interesting thing that they found out was that Neanderthals, what separated Neanderthals from modern humans or Homo sapiens, is the fact that while Neanderthals could make tools, modern humans or Homo sapiens also made art. Okay? So uh, what's interesting is they found this one thing before we get to the main one. They found this figurine. uh, If It's it's a, a man's body with a lion's head or a tiger's head. And they uh, show these, you know, they have the actors reenacting what the, what the cave people were doing. And they show them placing this against the guy's forehead, and they thought it maybe some religious object. I thought it'd be funny if it turned out later on, just a little knick-knack. They stuck on a boulder in the cave and said, oh, it looks nice there. Nice decoration. Or it was a gag gift to somebody. Hey, you know, we're always calling you Tiger Head. Ah, there you go. Happy birthday. So anyway, the other thing that they found that was very interesting. Oh, by the way, they found this Tiger Head thing in two different places, uh, two different versions, a bigger one and a smaller one. So they figured this was kind of ubiquitous to the modern humans there in this valley in Germany. Anyway, the one thing they found was very interesting. It's a, uh, the oldest known uh, figurine of a human uh, carved by humans. And, well, this fella uh, describes it, and it's very, very interesting. Oh, and this figure is called the Venus of Hollofeld, which is the, the valley in Germany where it was found, and is a figure of a woman, and uh, this archaeologist describes it. It's interesting to look at what is depicted and what's absent. What is most prominently absent is the head. There's no head at all. Instead of a head, there's a ring showing that it was used perhaps as an ornament or worn around the neck. Okay, so far so good. Can you give us any more details? What is present are the sexual characteristics. The pubic triangle and the vulva are very intensely cut out, showing that the genitalia of reproduction were important. 
the breast, enormous breast, oversized, also consistent with the idea of fertility. So I'm not sure what this dude is getting at, but I think he's trying to like run some jive bias that, oh, well, it's it on fertility. And it, no, they found ancient porn. The first figurine of a human, the oldest one they can find is actual porn. Modern man was actually pervy, which I think is just brilliant. What is present are the sexual characteristics. See, what I think happened here is that you, we said earlier, of course, that the, the figure had no head to it, like it was maybe it was worn around the neck. Or the I think what happened was it probably did have a head at one point, and then, like, cave woman found dude's stash and threw it against the cave wall and maybe broke the head off. So that's what I think happened there. So, uh, yes, um, First Peoples, very fascinating. We learned that uh, humans overwhelm Neanderthals, and more importantly, that modern man was, in fact, actually very pervy. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Adam Hunter is a stand-up comedian originally from New York City. He's a big wrestling fan, sports fan, and of course he is a top-drawing comedian. Here now is our interview with Adam Hunter. All right, cool, man. Well, great. Yeah, I was looking back. Uh, the last time we spoke was a couple of years ago, and uh, you had uh, just gotten married, and we're doing a lot of jokes about that, of course. And uh, so, uh, how well, how's that been going? I guess would be a, a good place to start. Uh, the marriage is good. I mean, it, I have a beautiful wife who I love dearly. You know, there's always you know, issues in every marriage, but we're working through them. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, and uh, things are good. The other night, she said to me, uh, Adam, you know, before, it really reminds me how much better my life is now. She's like, when we met, you didn't even own a spatula. And I was like, no, that's not true. I had a spatula, but my cat litter super broke <laughs> and super identified as a spatula. But, uh, but it's going really well. Um, I, I met the woman of my dreams. Cool. Uh, same. Uh, so what does she do? Is she in the biz or does she do something else? Um, she's into marketing. Uh, she's marketing uh, hair products, but... Uh, yeah, so she has a, uh, a nine to five job. Okay, well that's cool. Um, so I was trying to do you know, a little update to see you know what you had been doing uh, lately, and it turns out here's a fun story. I don't know if you know this or not, but Wikipedia thinks you're an Australian actor. Uh, what was that? Wikipedia thinks you're an Australian actor. I know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, I you know what? Wikipedia is so annoying because I tried. You know, making I had a Wikipedia page, and then I tried to update it and say I did all these things. You know, like I was on right, I was on Last Comic Thing. You know, that I was on the True Life of a Comedian and on the Chelsea Handler Show, and I was on the Tonight Show twice, and I was on E. And I was using the sources, the IMDb sources, and people kept telling me that like whoever was the monitor of Wikipedia kept taking them down and saying that 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 really was that wasn't true. <laughs> and I'm like, no. Like, I hear the videos, and this is what I do, 
and people kept saying, no, IMDb is not a good enough source. So I don't know if somebody had it out for me or something, but it just got really frustrating, so I just kind of gave up on Wikipedia. Um, and uh, now it's just I'm an Australian actor. Yes. On my soapboxes. But I guess it's worse things to be, so... Right. Well, so, it, I, and I, I think some people will actually want to hear my Australian accent. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, uh, sure. But the internet also said I was worth like thirty million dollars. Oh wow! Uh, my wife got very yeah, but my wife got kind of upset. When she found out that um, you know that was short by twenty nine. <laughs> well, uh, you know, actually, it was short by thirty million dollars. If you guys ever go to get a loan, and they say, "Well, you know, Mr. Hunter, how much do you do you make as as a, a comedian, an actor, and and you know, TV host?" You can slide them that Wikipedia page and say, "Well, I think you'll be impressed by this." Yeah, I should do that. Except, uh, it shows that I make negative money. So yeah, one hundred percent should do that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, it, it, that's funny because um, and it's weird too because you know you have a common name. I've got a pretty common name. My real first name is Patrick. Uh, so uh, my wife's a, a big Facebook stalker, and it's very difficult to stalk people with common names like ours but um with the uncommon name she has a much easier yeah. time of it yeah um so uh, the uh the wrestling thing uh i know you're still doing a lot with that what um you're a big mma guy right yeah i i still coach wrestling wrestling was a huge part of my life um i wrestled in high school i was actually ranked third in my high school in wrestling uh, i was homeschooled uh grandma was a beast but uh, <laughs> yeah i still coach wrestling I, you know, I actually won the New England Draft School Championships four years in a row, and wrestled um, in college. I, I, I get back. I started a, a wrestling program. Actually, Jay Moore is my assistant coach. We actually we have a great time coaching together. Oh wow! Um, and then, yeah, that's 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 amazing. And then I just wrote a, a pilot that I started and it's being edited right now called Pins um, about a comedian who becomes a wrestling coach. It's kind of like an East Down and Down meet. Bad News Bears meets, uh, you know, uh, kingpin of, like, wrestling. That's, that's going really, really well. And uh, I'm, I'm really into MMA. Actually, I, I work for the UFC, and I'm writing the MMA awards, and I also work for the PSL. I do videos for the Professional Fighting League, and I for the UFC, I pretend I'm fighters texting each other for a thing called Text from Last Fight. And I also, you know, wrote a lot of viral, viral videos for the MMA awards. I'm a huge MMA fan. And uh, it's really cool. A lot of the MMA community when I'm in Minnesota, they would come out and support it, which is awesome. And uh, have you ever, like, fought in any kind of MMA environment, or are you more of a traditional wrestler yourself? Uh, tra- uh, traditional wrestler. But there's a guy named Adam Hunter who's a fighter who then got, who got popped steroids. And people kept yelling at me. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, you know. I didn't know I had a fight coming up. But people are always telling him how much they either love or hate his jokes. <laughs> and then yelling at me about my fight. And what what do they say about his soap opera acting? Do they are they down with that? <laughs> oh no, no, nothing there. But actually, I got a shout out on like a UFC. They were like, "Yeah, he's a victory over Adam Hunter, not the comedian Adam Hunter." So that was I was that was about last week during a UFC live event. So I was pretty excited about that. So let me ask because I, I you pro- you might know my boss uh, in at my my regular job uh, Josh Need. Um, He's a, also a comedian, and uh, but anyway, uh, him and uh, my other boss, who was a former comedian, and everybody I work with, they're all like huge, uh, like well, I guess what you call the big time wrestling fans. And uh, that I ever take with you? You ever, you ever a fan of that? You mean like WWE? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I was younger, I did. I was obsessed with it when I was a kid. 
um, actually my bar mitzvah theme was called Adam's No Hold Bar Mitzvah. Um, <laughs> and they had like Hulk Hogan's body and like put my face in it. So yeah, I was a huge wrestling fan. And the, my first time ever going to a wrestling practice, like, like actual legit wrestling, I like put the kid in a camel clutch and I brought my own manager and I hit the kid with a chair. Uh, so I was a, I was a super wrestling fan when I was younger, but, um, not so much that I'm older. There's only so many things to be fans of. Yeah, well, that's true. And so when did the interest in, like, MMA uh, arise? Um, it kind of became because, like, you know, I was a pretty high-level, you know, high school wrestler and college wrestler, but there was no there was no pros for it. It was just sort of like, you know, you can go to the Olympics and maybe get sponsored, but that's really in freestyle and retro, which wasn't even the style we were even doing, which is folk style. And then when mixed martial arts came, I you know I was always a boxing fan, but when I saw that wrestlers were dominating and all these great college wrestlers were coming over and using their wrestling in mixed martial arts, I really was like, wow, wow, that's really cool that there's an afterlife for college wrestling. And I uh, became fan of that. And then when I started having a podcast and getting to know the guys personally, and uh, that was, um, hello? I'm here. Uh, up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, once I started to meet the guys and become friends with them, then I was like, wow, these are just, these are just great, great guys. So that's kind of where that came from. Okay. And what does it take, in, from your observation, to be good at MMA? Do you have to know a lot of martial arts? Can you just be a good boxer? Do you have to have that kind of variety of skills? I'm kind of curious. Is what, can you just be a good boxer or a good wrestler? Or do you really have to have that variety of skills because, you know, your opponent could possibly have that variety of skills? Or do you just have to be just a great athlete? Or what, what does it take? No, definitely, uh, you know, when the UFC 1 came along, it was like the wrestler versus the karate guy versus the guy. But now everyone is so evolved that if, that if you're lacking one of those skills, whether you're, if you're a great grappler but you don't have striking, someone's just going to jab you to death. Or if you're a great striker and not a wrestler, it's going to take you down and hold you a pound on you. So you have to be good at everything. Um, so getting over to comedy, and we may have discussed this before, but um, were, so were you a funny kid growing up? You kind of cracking up everybody in the locker room, or did the comedy thing kind of come later? Yeah, I was always a funny kid. I definitely was a class talent a little bit when I was younger, but then I realized that girls weren't really going to the class clowns, so huh. I kind of got my act together in like fourth and fifth fifth day. But you know, stand-up comedy is not about being the funniest person in the, a room full of, of like like at like the party or anything. It's Basically, like how you are to your one or two friends that think you're hilarious, and then getting comfortable and good enough, so that becomes how you are in front of those two friends. So, yeah, and, I, and like also writing is a big element. But it, I, I personally find that the guys who are always on off stage are not always the guys that are on on stage, and vice versa. That is strange, yeah, because um, a lot of people, you know, th- their onstage persona is like this huge exaggeration of them, but other people, it's like, no, it's it's pretty much the same thing because, you know, they feel there's a certain realness to that. Like, kind of, where do you land? Is is onstage you pretty much offstage you? I would say it's an extension of myself. Um, you know, I definitely, like, how many people are that one-dimensional, but I definitely think that... Um, yeah, I think I'm up there, and I maybe exaggerate a little bit, but it's definitely a part of me. You know, I don't really play, like, a character. Um, and I think the more I do comedy, the more um, it's just who I am up there. I think, it's like, when I was younger, maybe I was a little bit more abrasive or more brash or more, um, I wouldn't say, like, maybe wanted to be edgier than I was now, but 
now it's just like I'm a dad, I have a wife, and I have a kid, and the jokes that I write and talk about are things that I believe in, and also how I really feel. Um, but I also have a style of, you know, jokes per minute. I, I liken my comedy to a, a Mexican boxer where you just throw as many punches as possible, and I try to get as many laughs as possible. So whether it's like, you know, I just try to make sure the writing is super, super tight, so you're going to go there and you're going to get hit with thousands of punchlines and hopefully most of them land, um, if not all of them. So you kind of take some of your wrestling training in a way and like kind of graft it to your comedy in the ways of, you know, having, having discipline to, to do the work and kind of setting goals to, and, and things like that? Yeah, exactly. You know, I definitely was not the most talented wrestler, uh, you know, on day one. I was probably average, maybe a little bit above average, but I just, I loved it. So I stayed up for practice and I came early and I went to wrestling camps and I went to two practices a day and I wrestled over the summer and I wrestled on my own and I found groups so that by the time I got to the, the match, I was so trained and so prepared and I would win every year, almost all my matches. You know, I think my record in high school was probably 120 and seven or something. And I, and I can't tell you, you know, more than 10 guys that I beat, but I can tell you every kid that beat me. You know, I was, I was very focused. Oh. Um, and comedy is sort of the same way. It's like, you know, I'm not the funny, I was never the funniest guy on day one. And I, I was never the guy that's like, oh, uh, he's the impressionist or he's the best at acting out or he's the, the most prolific writer. But what I do is I just sit there and I write, 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 and I do as many shows as I possibly can. I, and I work and I work and I work. And I try to do the shows where nobody wants to do them and force myself to get up at least five, six times a week, if not seven times a week, multiple shows. And by the end, you know, I have like a, the, the most polished or like the, the, the funniest act. It's because of the work ethic. And I think, I think work ethic is, is, is so much more important than talent because I can't think how many people are talented but don't have the work ethic so eventually everyone else catches up to your talent and like they beat you but the people that actually want to be good at it and you know comedy is one of those things it's a really really hard business it's really hard to get to where you want there's so many scarecrows involved and so many different paths and there's not really one way to do it there's no you know my way is not going to work for this guy's way or for that guy's way it's not like med school where you know okay you you graduate med school and you get placed at a medical office, you do an internship and you have a job, you know. You can do comedy for 20, 25 years and never work. It's comedy for, you know, six months and be headlining, unfortunately. But, so it's, it's not really that way. It's kind of like I compared that, that Indiana Jones and the, you know, Temple of Doom where, you know, it's so hard for him to get that, 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 that sort of still at the end because it's just, it's, so hard. You see, you see all the people that failed the tournament and all the people that are dead around them. That's kind of unfortunately the way comedy is. Uh, so the key is to just be tenacious and stick with it. Not like your high pitch ride, your low pitch low. And when you have a full hour uh, on stage, do you, what do you mostly talk about? Is it do you leave the sports thing for your other ventures? Or do you still talk a little sports? And um, yeah, I mean it's definitely a wide range. I mean I talk about being a new dad, being married, and. Um, talk about a little bit of politics, and pop culture, and shows of the past. Talk about coaching wrestling, or you know, um, talk about sex, talk about drugs, talk about medication, talk about uh, you know, dating, and past relationships, exes, 
my family and my dad and my sister and my brother and my stepmother and my grandparents, uh, my wife's family and friends and, you know, traveling and different places I've been to. I just, you know, I turned, you know, run the gamut um, of just, you know, being, not leaving no stone on turn. And do you find now that you, you know, married and you have a kid and you have some more life experience on your boat, is it easier to find things to talk about? Or like, you know, kind of a lot of guys and gals in their 20s are always like, well, it's you know, mostly it's about partying and dating and that's really all they've done in their lives. Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think it's like that part of a, a part of a stroke, but sure. I mean, you know, being there and with my, my child coming out is definitely like something I talk about, what that was like. Um you know, the feelings I went through there, and, like, I wouldn't have had that had I not have a wife and a kid, and also just some of the things that come along with marriage, some of the obstacles, some of the some of the bright spots, or a lot of the bright spots, you know, those, those are all definitely things that come with life experience. Like, you know, I, I think that sometimes, you know, some comedians are spending all the time their comedy clubs, they kind of miss out on, you know, things that are going on around them. I, I try to be well-versed, have a life, and have balance. Stuff is not easy. But I think that, you know, struggle, you know, like my wife wanted to throw a kid a huge, our first, a kid, a one-year-old, a huge birthday party. And I was like, a huge, expensive, you know, $4,000 birthday party for a one-year-old. And I'm like, that's not what you should do. And, you know, what, what is Madonna going to play this birthday? I mean, <laughs> what, are, what are we talking about? <laughs> you know, I was paying to. And why don't we just, like, put, you know, stripes on the dog and call it a zebra? And, she said, no, well, I'm like, well, we'll save the money to, you know, give the kids a really good rehab and she's all there. So I said, no, I think it'll be great. We'll have a theme. I'm like, theme will be poverty. I mean, I mean I, you know, all those things happened like two days ago. So that type of life experience you put into my act, you know. Um, yeah, I, I think that having stuff to draw from is really important. That's so funny. Um, had it not been for comedy, would you have had a, what kind of career path do you think you would have had? Would you have stuck with something sports-minded, or was there uh, something else? Be, uh, I'm sure I'd be rich and happy. <laughs> um, no, it's not, if, if not for comedy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that I was on like a path, of, a competitive path, and I was running a race that I really didn't want to be in. And that's why it drew me to comedy in the first place. I was in college, and I was all about, like, I was, getting good grades, but not really understanding why. I was not really retaining any information or things I read. I was all about scores and high grades and achievements and, you know, wanting to be placed in a really good firm or do this. Or get, and it, but it was nothing that I was really that passionate about. And I just saw myself being stuck in this, in this, I didn't really want to do that. I, I wanted to enjoy my life. I mean, to me, it was, I remember reading, um, I forgot the name of the book, Arthur Miller, Jessica Feldman. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wore the lines, like, well, why would I wear, you know, 52, 50 weeks, take two weeks off, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but that sort of where I saw my life going. I was like, yeah, this will be great, you know. You go to work, and then you don't enjoy it, and then you have the weekend. I'm like, well, you actually enjoy your work. Wouldn't that kind of be the goal here? And you don't have to really call it work and, you know, Doing something you love and fun is like amazing. It's the best thing in the world. But it, what are you willing to get there? For me, it was like having no money for a long period of time, watching the friends of the house work do really well, sacrificing relationships, giving out flyers in Times Square for three or four years. It was you know not having you know having to dig through 
couches for change to eat. It was, you know, living, sitting in my car many, many a night to drive across the country and not make any money. And it was, you know, rejection after rejection after rejection. Um, and that, to me, told you're not good enough or you're not right for it or you're too green or they don't want you or it shows, you know, over and over and over and over again or people not laughing or telling you you're not funny or you're not good and all that. Um, but that's what built character and that's what built civilians and that's what makes, you know, you get to where you want to go. And a lot of people have a lot of talent but they can't deal with the rejection part which that's the hardest part and that's the worst part that's necessary to get there and a lot of times people get really successful and they don't get the rejection and they get the success and then when they get the rejection they can't deal with it they can't handle it you know and fortunately and for me unfortunately I've had some success but it has not come easy and you know 20 years plus into this and I'm still dealing with, with that, uh, but, you know, that's what you want. A lot of people kind of looking up a bee going, yeah, but you're, you know, traveling the world, and you've been to Europe, and comedy, and Africa, and Asia, and Japan, and Korea, and you go to the night show, and five comics, and you make a living at it, you have house, all this other stuff, you know, like, so, if, but I look at, I'll look up and be like, yeah, but this guy's here and there. The important is not getting caught in that trap with being aware of it. Well, it sounds like things are moving in the right direction, man. It sounds like you've got like a, a good balance going. You, you've got the success, but you still got the drive, so that's always good. Thank you. Yeah. Well, great, man. Um, thank you for taking the time, and uh, you probably know you're tra- traveling from some one place to another, and uh, glad we got this squeezed in. The uh, print version of this will run... Uh, in City Pages, the week you're up in Minneapolis, of course, and then the uh, podcast episode will drop uh, in a couple of weeks. So um, where can folks find you? Uh, I know uh, you've got your uh, website. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Uh, yeah, you find me at Adam Comedian. Uh, I have a new podcast coming out with Dean McDermott and Nikki Paris that drops on Monday called Daddy Issues. Oh, cool. Um, about being a dad. And then I have a podcast called MMA Roses. Um, and then you can watch all my PSL videos. And I have a new pilot I just shot called Pin. That should be out soon. Uh, I got, uh, I'm got i on the LOL Network coming up. Uh, Kevin Hart presents the LOL Network uh, coming up. I have a CD called Adam Hunter Still Broke. Where everywhere it's on Spotify, iTunes. And, uh, and then you can find me. Just go to adamhunter.com for all my dates. Cool, man. Great. Okay, well, thanks for taking the time, man. Thank you so yeah. much. Right, bye-bye. Care. Thanks again to Adam Hunter for being on the show. You can catch Adam at the Dime Bar Comedy Show July 9th. He's uh, doing a Carnival Cruise show July 10th, back at the Dime Bar July 16th. And for all your Adam Hunter information, you can go to adamhunter.com. The other two Adam Hunters don't have adamhunter.com, so at least he's got that, all right? So we're going to move on to the song of the week here to finish up this holiday weekend. And a song of the week comes to us from where else do I hear new music? But, of course, BBC Radio 1. Although this... uh, Artist we're going to hear right now is from Naples, Florida. His name is Dominic Fike. He is an American rapper and singer. And um, 
could be problematic in that he was uh, he recorded his his EP that got the attention of these major record labels, uh, most notably Columbia, who he signed with, uh, because he was on house arrest for battery on a, of a police officer. Don't know how that turned out. Uh, I mean, of course, there's multiple sides to every story. Uh, don't know how that turned out, but... Um, Anyway, the song we're about to hear went top five in Australia. It is in, I believe it's in the C rotation. No, it's in A rotation on BBC Radio 1's playlist. So anyway, um, the song is called Three Nights, and uh, it's got more of a um, reggae rap kind of feel to it than it does more of a, like, what you consider more of a straightforward hip-hop rap kind of feel to it. And um, it kind of puts me in the mind of come some of the kind of uh, later stuff we've heard mixing more of the, with the rap returning more to its reggae roots, as it were. But anyway, this is Dominic Fike. And the song is called Three Nights. It is our song of the week on PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Three nights at the motel Under street lights in the city of Palms Call me what you want when you want if you want And you can call me names if you call me up Three nights at the motel Under street lights in the city of Palms Call me what you want when you want if you want and you can call me names if you call me up Feel like the least of all your problems You can't reach me if you wanna stay up tonight Stay up at night Like green lights in your body language Seems like you could use a little Company for me But if you got everything And figured I like you, say Don't waste a minute, don't wait a minute Feelings involved